Welcome to the Sports Lawyers Association podcast. The SLA is a nonprofit, international, professional organization whose common goal is the understanding, advancement, and ethical practice of sports law. With over 1,000 current members consisting of practicing lawyers, law educators, law students, and other professionals with an interest in law relating to professional and amateur sports, the organization has a wonderful membership filled with experience, insight, and knowledge, giving podcast listeners a peek behind the curtain of the sports law world. For more information about the SLA, visit sportslaw.org. As we celebrate Women's History Month, we are joined by four incredible women who sit down to discuss the successes they've had as well as the challenges they've faced as they have worked relentlessly to make a meaningful impact in the sports law world. Two of our guests, Pam Lester and Nona Lee, are past presidents of the SLA, while Allison Rich is the current president-elect. Leading today's discussion is Jama Meyer, vice co-chair of the SLA Conference Committee. Jama is counsel at Simpson, Thatcher, and Bartlett in New York City, where her focus is on antitrust and Title IX litigation and a visiting clinical professor of O'Neill Sports Law and Public Policy at Indiana University. Jama advocates the power of sport to bring about social change with a special focus on achieving gender equality in sports through education, activism, and litigation. Pam Lester, the first woman to serve as president of the SLA, is also among the first group of women attorneys to work in professional sports, where she has held both legal and business positions. She has negotiated a wide range of agreements for sports and entertainment personalities and properties, including sponsorship, endorsement, event, television, and licensing and merchandising agreements. She speaks regularly on negotiation and is working on her first book. Nona Lee is in her 22nd season with the Arizona Diamondbacks and serves as Executive Vice President and Chief Legal Officer, overseeing all legal issues for the organization. Before dedicating her time solely to the Diamondbacks, she served as Associate General Counsel and VP and Associate General Counsel for the Phoenix Suns, Diamondbacks, Phoenix Mercury, Arizona Rattlers, Chase Field, U.S. Airways Center, and Dodge Theater. Allison Rich has over 20 years of experience as an intercollegiate athletics administrator and sports lawyer. She has significant leadership and decision-making experiences, having served at the NCAA National Office and at both large state and small private FBS, FCS, and Division I institutions, and at those positions has been intimately involved in all areas of college athletics, both internal and external. She is currently the Senior Associate Director of Athletics and Senior Woman Administrator at her alma mater, Princeton University, and serves on various conference and national committees, including the NCAA Division I Infractions Appeals Committee. And now, here's your host, Jama Meyer. What a privilege to be here with two past and one elect Madam Presidents of the SLA, three women with glittering records of achievement. I'm so honored to be able to talk with the three of you today. So Pam Lester, first female president 20 years ago, a huge accomplishment. And at that time, there were lawyers who did sports law, but not a lot of sports lawyers. And even many law schools did not have sports law classes. Can you tell us what the SLA was like generally at that time and the board specifically? And given those numbers, when you were clearly in the small minority, how did you become elected to be president and get the biggest seat at the table? And don't hesitate to tell us what skills you brought to that table. Thank you, Jama. Well, first of all, when I think about my, my first uh, introduction to Sports Lawyers Association, it was actually 
many years before I even joined. And that was at an ABA Entertainment Arts and Sports Law Conference at the Waldorf Astoria in New York City when I was approached by the current president of the SLA who suggested that I join the Sports Lawyers Association to meet the other women in sports. But of course, since I already knew the other three or four women sports lawyers at the time, um, you know, I, I, I turned down that opportunity. Besides, at the time, it was, it was a, an expensive membership fee for me. And then over, over time, I was, uh, because I was speaking again, I, I recognized how the Sports Lawyers Association was growing and was invited to join the board eventually. And, and honestly, I don't know why I was um, nominated to be president-elect. I think that I was on the nominating committee, and actually I had volunteered because we were trying to get turnover on the board to give up my position and, and do the right thing, practice what we preach, and was told that we actually want to nominate you. So if I had to guess, I would think it's probably my ability to get along with people and to listen to everyone and to work hard to promote the organization's goals. But I don't know for sure. Well, those are big skills. So I I can appreciate why you were such a great candidate. So Nona, can I turn to you, the home run hitter? Just look at images on the internet and you will see Nona with that bat in her hands. Um, You became president of the SLA many years after Pam. Can you tell us sort of what changed between the time Pam was president and you were? I I know you had been a member for uh, some of that time. And and what skills do you attribute to your success generally and specifically in becoming president of the SLA? Thank you, Javon. And and what I would say is in terms of what changed – you know, I wasn't on the board the entire time. So from a board perspective, it's difficult to, to say what changed over that entire period of time. But I can tell you that from the point in time when I joined the board in particular, there weren't a lot of women and minorities on the board. And, you know, that has certainly changed over time. And we've put real focused effort on that. What I can also say is that from a membership perspective, that I saw more women get involved and certainly more people of color get involved in the organization and there are even more today and again we have a very very focused effort on diversity equity and inclusion and so that will continue to grow I believe and you know when I think about what skills I attribute to my success generally and you know being elected president of the board I, I my answer will be very similar to Pam's because I was very surprised when I was told that I was being nominated for the position. And I, I think a lot of it is the, the skills were similar to, to Pam in as much as, you know, I was very involved in promoting the the mission of the Sports Lawyers Association. I worked very hard on several committees. I got along with everyone and really tried to be a consensus builder. And I think those skills are very important in leadership, whether in the sports lawyers organization or anywhere else. Thank you. Allison, you've got some tips already from these incredible role models, but do you have anything particularly that you aspire to accomplish as president and and anything that might be somewhat different from what Pam and and Nona did or tried to do? Yeah, thanks, Jema. I'm happy to be here with all of you, all of my friends. Happy to be talking with you. And and I uh, I have a lot that I've learned from from these two amazing women in terms of how to be president and just just in general how to be good people. And uh, so there's a lot that I would take from them that I would do similarly. There's a lot, you know, forwarding our mission, 
looking for ways that we can continue to be the preeminent sports law organization in the country and in the world, uh, have our members be subject matter experts and looked at that way so that if there's an issue or something that happens, we are the voices that people are listening to in terms of the sports law issues. It's really, we've grown so much in that way over the years, and I want to continue growing that. Also continue to engage our membership and, and have the collaborative experience and, and get to what we all want to get out of this organization and our membership in it. I think, you know, the to use a term return on investment is it's so important. You want to continue bringing benefits to our members in terms of connecting with people and networking and learning and engaging and all of the things that we're all looking for in our daily lives, but also within the context of the sports law field. And also return on investment to our amazing sponsors who believe in us and want to see us continue to grow and and expand and 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 have that reach in the industry and beyond. But I think for me, there's been a lot of connection. We we talk about connection being one of the most important pieces of the SLA for us. Yes, we all want to want to learn and want to continue to to talk about the the field of sports law. But we've all joined and then stayed connected because of the people that we've met and because of the interactions that we have in this organization. And I think what's different now is that we've had a year where we haven't been able to interact and connect with people personally other than on Zoom and looking at each other in the small boxes on the camera. And so I think for me, you know, it's I want to maintain the communication that we have with our members and continue to engage people and hopefully get us back together again sometime soon. I think we're aiming for our next board meeting to be in person, not next one, but the one after May. Um, but then also to get everybody back together in terms of local outreach events done well, done done appropriately for the circumstances, and hopefully back together in, in May of next year for our annual conference. I'm really excited about the, the virtual conference we have planned, but it certainly isn't going to be the same as getting back together and being face-to-face. So I think that's a challenge I'm going to see, but uh, hopefully we can work through it with the great people that we have. Some of the audience may not know what outreach events are. Can, can you explain what the SLA does in, in terms of outreach events? Absolutely. And uh, Nona had a big part in, in creating this a number of years ago. But, you know, we, we always talked about how we looked forward to May and getting together with everybody and, and connecting. And wouldn't it be great if we could have some connection with each other throughout the year? And so the, the concept of, of these local outreach events was was born and having outreach captains in various cities to pull together events they used to be in person. Now they've been mostly virtual for the past year, but to connect and whether it's around a speaker or around a sporting event or a social activity, just to get together with other members and, and to talk about issues and to engage with things that's ha- over things that are happening, but also just to engage with each other um, and to enjoy the experience that we enjoy so much when we're together in May. And, you know, thanks to, to Nona's work on that, it's grown so much over the years. We have other people that have taken it and continue to grow it and have moved us into the, the virtual realm. So we can actually do even more than we've done in the past. I'm still hoping we can get back to some of the in-person ones. But the outreach events have continued over the year with podcasts or speakers and then virtual outreach events afterwards where people could connect with those speakers and engage with each other and ask questions. We have other events where people can just get on with these happy hour type events and connect with each other and talk through things or talk about issues or just just have some, some social activity. So uh, those are the events and hopefully we'll get them back in person soon. But I, but I don't think we'll lose the virtual ones too. They've been a, a great addition to what we've been doing. Excellent. Yeah, no, that can't happen soon enough. There's no question about it. While we've touched upon this, I would like to more directly understand why each of you originally got involved in the SLA and why you continue to devote so much time to it. 
You know, when, when I was working, when I started and I graduated law school in 1983 and, you know, I, I speak a lot about negotiation skills and I would say that most of my negotiations were in my employment because I had no women mentors. I had no mentors whatsoever. And I had to fight for everything that I did, you know, in my own way. And luckily, I think at one point my boss had said, you should know much as, about sports law as I did when I was teaching at UVA. And so I started teaching and then learned about bar associations and you know, started to speak. And when I eventually joined the, the sport, what I, what I found and what I'd encourage any, any of our young members or anyone who's listening to this to do is to get involved. And what gave me the opportunity was visibility outside my employment. And as um, Allison has said, that the opportunity to, to meet others and learn other opinions. And, you know, they, they originally Sports Lawyers Association was to bring all these opposite sides to the table so people would get along. And I have found it the most amazing experience just to get to know the board members and the membership. And, you know, so happy to see the number of women in the audience at our annual meeting grow from just a handful to um, the last conference I was at. I don't know the numbers, but it certainly looked like it was close to 50%. So, for me, I think it was the opportunity to meet others in the industry who otherwise I would not have met. Yeah. And I'll say for me, it was uh, the same, really. Uh, the opportunity, you know, I had started the legal department at the Diamondbacks and I was a department of one. And, you know, the opportunity to build relationships with other people in the industry was important to me. Also, the substantive content that you can get and that I was able to get through the Sports Lawyers Association that you can't get anywhere else specific to what we do was amazing. It also gave me the opportunity to learn about other areas that I don't work directly in, which is so helpful to have a broader understanding of the industry um, because there's usually overlap in some way at some point in time. But And then the other part of it for me is, um, and what's kept me there is relationships. You know, again, the substance content but the relationships that you build, I'll never forget the first conference I went to was in uh, Toronto in 2006. And I didn't know anyone. I mean, I knew no one. And I was walking to a networking event or something. And Bob Buck, you know, invited me to go to dinner with him and his family. And we are still wonderful friends today. And so people are just so warm and welcoming. And there's a palpable connection between people because of their passion for sports. And that keeps me there because it's a community to which I feel that I belong and I'm very much at home. Well said. I agree 100%. Yes, particularly important to some of our younger members who don't have the connections yet in the industry. Don't feel hesitant or shy about coming to that first meeting and hanging out at the food line and meeting people. Everyone is extremely friendly and relationships just blossom from that. Allison, do you have something to add? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I agree completely. And that's exactly how, how I got involved. So I, I knew I wanted to work in sports law. Um, sports law wasn't as much of a thing when I was getting into it. I was determined to make it so for me. And uh, I reached out to Lloyd Shevsky, who was one of the founders of the SLA. I didn't know this at the time, but he was in Chicago where I was and just asking him for some advice on getting into the, the profession and, and how, how I should approach this. And he told me that I should join the Sports Lawyers Association and I would meet a lot of interesting people and, and make connections. And it would be really helpful for me as I try to figure out where I want to go with my career. And so I was a a third year law student at the time. And fortunately enough, the school paid for me as the president of our sports and entertainment law society. 
they paid for me to go to the first conference, which was in 1995. I can't believe that's so long ago, but I went and I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I found my people. This was so amazing. You know, the, the content was, was really interesting. The people that I had seen on TV and read about in the news, and it was just such an exciting place to be. And I just decided this was something that I was going to be a part of and try to get more engaged and involved as I could and, and learn as much as I can and meet as many people. And people were very open. I, I will echo what Pam said. There were not a lot of women, especially not on the podium speaking. And there also, I noticed because as I moved along in my career, there were very few that were in college athletics. And that was an area, of course, that's important to me in my career. And so trying to push for getting beyond the hot topics in the NCAA session and moving into more substantive issues. And, you know, we look at this year's agenda and we have, you know, at least three topics, uh, plenary topics that are really specific to college athletics and others where there's there's relationship in the issue. Because as, as Nona said, there's a lot of overlap in the issues. So it's been really fun to see that grow. And I'll tell anyone, you know, just, you know, keep coming and meeting people and you get to see the the people year after year. And now we get to engage throughout the year, whether it's socially or in the outreach events and, and, uh, and stay connected. And it's it certainly helped me uh, move up through the ranks here too. And, and I've loved every minute of it. Can I just add two quick comments? One is uh, when we talk about the annual conference, one of the things to, um, that I think we should point out is that we all need CLE, continuing legal education, and it's one-stop shopping in an area that we're passionate about and interested in, and that's wonderful. And the other thing I want to say is that, Allison, I had forgotten that you had started as a law student member, and you're the incoming president. I think that's just fabulous. So congratulations on that journey. Thanks. I'm persistent. <laughs> I just want to say how, how excited I am about Allison's leadership. I mean, I, I, she's truly going to help us move to the next level. And, you know, I'm really so excited that it didn't take another 15, 16 years, whatever it was for another woman to become president. And Allison is definitely the right person for the job. And it's going to be amazing. I'm really excited to serve under her leadership. Thank you, Nona. I appreciate that. I couldn't agree more with, with what you just said. Unanimous, Allison. You're going to be terrific. So you have this common thread of each being or about to be president of the SLA, but you've, you've journeyed very differently. You've gotten to this point through totally different paths. I think the audience would be interested in hearing exactly what your path was. And then, and then what do you attribute your success to as you journeyed through your path? I think for me, you know, a lot of it is circumstantial. I mean, when I look back at myself being the first woman president of the SLA or the first woman this or that, it really is not that I set out to be the first woman anything, but I had goals and I wanted to work in the industry and it's just circumstantial. So I don't think I get celebrated for being the first because that just is you know, what happened. And I think that my ability to get along with people, the fact that I was an athlete, the fact that I could compete against men in certain areas you know, and sports. You know, gave me confidence and that, you know, I was often told that I didn't understand sports because I'm a woman. And, and, you know, I, I think I kept my mouth shut because I oftentimes realized that these people I'm working with, I was a better athlete than they were. But <laughs> I think that, you know, my own style just uh, allowed me, you know, particularly in a time you know, when it was dangerous to speak out and to stick up for myself. I had to be very subtle in my career, but in the Sports Lawyers Association, I always felt welcome. And um, as Nona and Allison had said, just that opportunity to be around others to help promote the sport and to work for diversity and inclusion. 
Yeah, and I just want to say um, Pam's very humble. Uh, it's, it's so important that we celebrate her as the first because without her having been the first, people wouldn't have understood that women can be president and do a great job at it. So, you know, I'm so grateful to you um, for being the first. And in fact, when we talk about our path, it was actually Pam and another board member, uh, Jill Pilgrim, who spoke to me about getting involved with the Sports Lawyers Association, not with the association, but with uh, getting involved with the board. And um, so that's how my path towards leadership in the organization began with their support and encouragement. And, you know, I believe their goal at that time was to help diversify the board. And, you know, I was really happy to be a part of that. And, And I'll say that when I joined the board, you know, I remember walking into the first board meeting and not seeing a lot of diversity. I mean, there were what, maybe two women and maybe two or three people of color, if that. So for me, my my path from the beginning was to see that change, you know, to be sure, you know, when we joined the when I joined the board, there were no term limits. So there were people who had been on the board for 20, 30 years. And my first thought was, how do I get off the board eventually? Because, you know, that's healthy for any organization to have turnover in leadership so that the organization can continue to grow with the times. And so my path was, my passion was for the organization and wanting to, to serve an organization that I was very connected to and very much believed in. And so whatever way I could do that, whatever committees I could serve on, was asked to serve on, I did that. And, you know, I worked very hard on it again. So my path was my contributions. And, you know, in terms of, of leadership, I think, Again, Pam and I are very similar in our approach and uh, in terms of, you know, our style. And, and, and I think that's important to leadership because, and I think Allison's really the same way. It's not about us. It's, a, it's truly about the organization. Pam's humility was authentic and important in a way in as much as leading an organization like this or any organization can't be about the leader itself. It has to be about the organization and the mission. And Pam did a great job of that. And I think Allison will too. So that's a very vague and, <laughs> you know, answer to the question. But, you know, to me, that was my journey and how I got there. When I was president-elect, I mean, just knowing your story makes me remember when I was president-elect, I was so surprised. I was behind, Bill Webb introduced me. I was standing behind the, the podium and then after my comments, you know, at the lunch or something, I, I stepped aside and I was six months pregnant. And the amazing thing to me was how many women came up to me afterwards saying, wow, we think it's so great we have a woman president-elect. And not only that, you're pregnant. And to me, both of those were so irrelevant. But, I, you know, I realized that it did, you know, give encouragement to others. So thank you for, for saying that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're both very modest and, and I do appreciate, you know, the, the models that you've set out for all of us. And, and Pam is actually, you know, one of the people who pushed me, you know, put me forward for board membership. I, I was serving on the, the program committee for a number of years and, and being engaged and connecting with everybody. And, and she was very supportive of me joining the board and Nona has been a great friend and, and mentor and support through the years as well. And, and I've learned a lot from her as she 
was president um, just a few years ago while I was on the board. So I learned learned a great deal from the two of them. They're both very humble, but they've both made great strides for our organization. And a lot of it is because they don't put themselves first. You know, it's they they do what's what's right has been said for the organization. And and in order to move us forward, we need to kind of all band together to to get there. We have a group of very different people. Um, I think we we've made a lot of progress in the diversity area overall. We we still have a ways to go, but with such a group, a, a different and diverse group of people members as well as the board members to be able to lead forward and make the strides that we have over the years really speaks to their leadership. I agree. Those are all such great comments, so insightful. And I can attest that I have been the recipient of each of your generosity. An example, Pam went to an ABA convention and she heard some speakers and there was a topic she thought would be great for the SLA. And she would have been terrific as the moderator and organizer of that topic. But she reached out to me. She knew I was interested in it and asked me to do it. And then she mentored me through it. She was always there as a sounding board. And I I think that's just another example of how the women at SLA help other women and are intentional about making certain that we each succeed in our own space. So thank you to each of you. We've talked a lot about what's great, what we've done that's terrific. Let's touch upon maybe our failures or challenges or things that we could have done a little bit better. I mean, we certainly each learned in playing sports how important it is to get right back up after we fall down and and do um, something, either, you know, put more effort into it or do it differently. Can you comment on things you wish you had done differently, either at the SLA or during your career, and what you've learned from, from those, I don't necessarily want to call them mistakes or failures, but challenges? Yeah, I'll I'll start with that one. You know, for me, probably the biggest lesson learned is to use my voice and that I belong. And I, I wish I had used my voice earlier in my career and understood that I belonged in the industry, in my job. You know, we all suffer, I think, periodically from imposter syndrome where we're, we're you know, we think, well, we don't belong and they're going to find out, et cetera. And so I went through a lot of that um, early in my career, and I, I wish I had, and I wish I understood that I was where I was supposed to be because I deserved to be there, and I was good, and that I had leaned fully into it earlier on in the ways that I have later in my career. I'm proud of my accomplishments, but I think I, I could have accomplished more if I wasn't trying to be smaller than I needed to be, you know, if that makes sense. Oh, I think absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, you have to you have to speak up to be able to to move forward and get the things that, that you need to be successful. So I appreciate that completely. You know, I think for me, back to starting, you know, joining the organization and, and having my career ahead of me and it's so wide open and you have you're collecting information and you're getting advice from people and you're thinking about growing and moving forward. And I think not, I don't know that I could have done things differently because you learn from experience, but I think you learn along the way more from the things that you either didn't enjoy or didn't go well than you learn from the things that went really well. And I think it's helped me over the course of my career to, to be more selective and to know a little bit more about what can make me happy and what environments are going to help me thrive. And so I think, you know, for, you know, it's, it's something that you can really only learn through experience, but I think you learn a lot. You take a lot of lessons from things that you've that you've experienced, and so I think you know maybe I would have made some different decisions along the way because knowing what I know now, hindsight twenty twenty and all. But I think that's just important to pay attention 
to that voice inside your head that kind of tells you the things that you're that are you're good at or you're enjoying or you want to challenge yourself with and and follow that path taking in the advice from outside and learning from others and their experiences but then also kind of filtering it to what makes more sense for you it's so interesting listening to you both because i think for me it's exactly what what nona raised i regret that i wasn't more outspoken when i was younger that um you know that i put up with a lot of stuff that I didn't feel comfortable speaking out about because I thought and probably thought correctly that that would have been problematic. And, uh, you know, I just wish I had pushed harder to reach the positions that I wanted to reach. And I have to say in my career, I've experienced all sorts of, um, you know, HR nightmares, you know, that I just had to roll with and, and deal with. And, you know, my frustration is not having, you know, received certain positions that I had wanted. And then I ended up staying home for a variety of reasons with my son, which I don't regret at all, went out on my own. But I think that when I was truly active, I could have and should have advocated for myself more visibly versus my sort of subtle style that I felt I had to had to do. So Nona, I agree with you 100%. That's exactly what I often think about. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely also. I'm hopeful that one reason we didn't step up more when we were younger, is that we didn't have role models. But now, you know, the younger generation, it's sort of the same, if you can see it, you can be it. The three of you are amazing. And hopefully the younger generation will see each of you stepping up and using your voice now. And obviously, it's so important to listen also, not just to be you know, speaking, but we certainly now have a seat at the table and, and we need to make the most of, of that seat. There's no question about it. Can I add something else, Jim? I, I, I agree with what you just said, because, you know, I've learned from the lessons that these ladies have taught me. I'm fortunate, you know, growing up, my, my parents were always like, you can do anything that you put your mind to. And so I felt I had a lot of confidence moving forward and that I could try anything. And if I didn't succeed, then I would try something else. But, you know, if I tried my hardest, that was all that mattered. And so I had the confidence moving forward, but it really helped me to see other women doing the things that I wanted to do um, and, ha and having the connections that I wanted to have. And so learning from people and seeing that it's possible, I think is such a huge part of being able to, to move forward and, and add more women to the field, just seeing that it's available and that it is something that women can do successfully and and make it their own too, that you don't have to be the same as everybody who came before you, that you can really learn from them and, and be yourself. And I think that's a big role that the SLA plays for all of us. I know for me, I was in a very competitive circumstance in a large law firm. And sometimes women were not always that supportive of each other. Um, it was competitive. But in the SLA, we're all there to help each other, to learn from each other. It's really unique that way. How do we tell people, especially women who might be listening today, how to get more involved in the SLA? What's the easiest way? Show up, <laughs> get involved. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, if you're not if you're not a member, please become one. Um, it's really worth the investment of time and resources. And when you are a member, find ways to get involved. There are several ways to do that. First of all, attend all of the outreach sessions that you can work, get to know people. But if you're interested in, in leadership of the organization and being involved in that way, you know, we have committees that you can serve on so that you can begin to know the organization and, and perhaps get involved in uh, board service at some point in time. You know, another great way to get involved is uh, becoming a speaker. 
you know, there are plenty of opportunities to speak, whether at the conference, outreach events, and I believe we have a, a form online now where you can sign up for these opportunities. So don't be afraid. Jump in. Get involved. We need you. You know, we, we need the diversity we, we of thought and experience. Yeah, I, I agree with everything Nona said. Um, we have a blog now so that, that anybody who wants to write something of, of interest to them, a short, a short post, can get involved there. We have regular publications. We have, now that we're in virtual year, we have regular podcasts, we have webinars, we have outreach events. So there's a lot of different ways that people can get involved even, even before getting on a committee. Um, ultimately, yes, that's, that's the way kind of board service probably runs through committees. But I think, you know, getting involved locally in outreach events, whether as an outreach captain or in supporting local events in your area, just having that connection and, and coming to the events, coming to the, the conference, even when it's virtual and, and getting to know people so that people get to know you and you become somebody that that people think of when we're looking for a speaker or looking for somebody to help run a local event or engage with or or help get a job or any number of things that that these connections help out with but show up and be members you know just uh, renew your membership or join if you haven't joined already we have opportunities for for firms to be sponsors and be much more engaged so there's just a lot of different ways to to be engaged but if you you don't know just ask i think we're all going to questions that anybody has and that is a perfect background to say that this is the type of thing that the nominating committee looks at when we're looking at potential board members, president-elect, or any of their offices. You know, we're looking for engagement and effort and uh, the ability to get along with others because we're a very collegial group, which doesn't mean you can't be different from everyone, but working towards the organizational goals. So before I finish with the question of what advice you have for Allison, is there anything else you'd like to say, either about your own journeys or about the SLA? I'm happy to talk about Allison. Okay, let's go for it. <laughs> <laughs> and Great. all I say to Allison is, keep up the good work. You know, I mean, this this is, um, you know, you have worked so hard for organization, and I am just, you know, was so excited when you were you know, elected president-elect and you know, coming in as president, and I had forgotten that you had started as a law student. I mean. What a, a perfect example of trajectory through the Sports Lawyers Association. Plus, you know, everything you've done in the athletic department. You know, that's something that we haven't really had a lot of uh, involvement in. And the fact, you know, obviously you came up through the ranks and had a number of positions where you were in the minority and, you know, work quietly as we seem all to have done uh, to get where you are today. So I just say congratulations. I'm, and I'm so looking forward to the next you know, couple of years. And, and that is, you know, I think we've been really fortunate to have wonderful presidents, both male and female, but I'm very excited that starting May, you are the president. Thanks, Pam. Yeah. And I will say, I, I agree you know, with everything that, that Pam said. And, you know, we have had wonderful presidents over the years, but I'm so excited for, for Allison's leadership. And again, you know, I said this before, I, I, I'm excited that it didn't take a number of years for us to have another woman. And I think that, you know, Allison will, first of all, be an amazing, she's going to do a great job. She'll be an amazing role model for other women. So I think, and I know that she will elevate other women whether she brings another one behind her into leadership of the board because she does have the ability to influence that as president, or whether she elevates people into leadership positions of committee, whatever it is, she's going to have a tremendous impact on the future of the organization. And I, I could be more excited to serve under her. 
What I will say to you for advice, Allison, is something that Matt Mitten said to me as as I was uh, president-elect and going into the president's role, is that it's going to go really quickly. You'd be surprised if the time passes very fast. So buckle up, enjoy the ride. You know, every president has something that they need to deal with that's different than the president before. Bobby Hacker has had to deal with the leadership during a pandemic. And, you know, I, I had to deal with a change in executive director unexpectedly, which we are so fortunate to have Melissa Pomerine as our executive director, another amazingly strong woman who has helped elevate right. us. And you and Melissa are going to be an amazing team <laughs> to elevate us into the organization that we we want to be. And, you know, there's always room for improvement. And, you know, I, you're going to do a great job. And congratulations. So excited. And Pam and I are here for you. Absolutely. And I don't want to end the podcast without saying something about Jema, who is a relatively new board member, who is amazingly accomplished in her, her own right and very modest with huge accomplishments, particularly promoting women in, uh, in sports and, and in life. And so, Jema, I also want to say thank you to you. I'm just so lucky to have met all of you. And this is, you know, this is a great, you know, one of the great benefits of the Sports Lawyers Association. The people I have met and become friends with, both female and male, you know, it's, it's something that I, I will always treasure. I agree. And I'll say, first, I'm really glad I showed up today to hear all that. Thank you. But um, I'm going to rely on you guys a great deal, as I always have. I am thrilled to be working with Melissa, who is another really strong woman and has done amazing work as our executive director. Also thrilled to have Jayma on today because she's amazing, too. But this is we just it's such a great organization and our board is strong. Bobby's done a great job leading us through this pandemic. And I just think there's a lot of great things that we can continue to do. And I'm, I'm really proud to be part of this organization and, and, and humbled that I've been chosen to, to continue leading forward. So thank you. Definitely the right choice. I want to have the opportunity too, to thank you, Jama. And you know, I agree with what Pam said. I was so excited uh, when you were coming on the board and, you know, you're a, a fantastic woman leader. I know you do a lot, as as was said, for women in sports. You know, you've served on the board of the Women's Sports Foundation, as have I. And the work that you do and have done for women in sports is, is just amazing. And I want to thank you. You know, when we thought about who could help lead this conversation today, you were the, the person that came to mind for us because yeah. we have so much respect for you and for who you are and knew that you should be a part of this conversation too. So thank you. Well, thank you very much. And I certainly have learned so very much from the three of you. And I am very humbled to have had the opportunity to speak with you three sheroes today. You truly are game changers, both at the SLA and, and in the sports law industry. So I want to gigantically thank you for being such outstanding leaders and making the SLA an even better, ethical, inclusive, and cutting-edge organization. We are so grateful for your SLA service and beyond. And I'd like to end with wishing the three of you, the people at the SLA who helped produce this podcast, especially Melissa, as mentioned earlier, and everyone listening, all the best of luck in staying healthy, happy, and being impactful and meaningful sports lawyers. Thank you very much. And we'll see you at the conference in May.